Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henman. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Our text is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to verse 21. And as we look at our passage, we're going to identify three dangers to covetous living in order to guard our hearts against the attacks of covetousness that come at us 24-7. Well, verse 13, Luke chapter 12, hopefully you're there. I'm always the last one there give you a little more time. It begins, verse 13, someone... In the crowd said to him, that is, speaking of Jesus. Now, the context here is that Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and Luke records for us that the crowds that gathered around Jesus at this time were in the untold thousands. And what we know, as we've been going through the book of Luke, that now within that crowd, not everybody is favorable toward Jesus anymore. In fact, increasingly, more and more people were hostile toward him. And and we saw last week, they listened to the disciples, they, they kind of felt the shift in the ministry. And so they know if they keep following Jesus, that they are going to be the recipients of that hostility as well. And so listen, that made them afraid inside, but uh, Jesus spoke to their fears, and we unpacked that last week. And so listen, that brings us up to where we're at in our passage here. Jesus is in the midst of teaching all of that, and within this mixed crowd, those who are for Jesus, those who are against Jesus, those who are undecided, in the mix of that environment, a man's voice raises to the forefront. Verse 13 again. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so Jesus is teaching here, and and there's a man who who raises his voice in the midst of that crowd and, and interrupts Jesus' teaching, and he asks him to settle a financial dispute that he has with his brother and And so Jesus, in the midst of that, says, you know, uh, listen, uh, I I hear what you're saying, but uh, he knew that this man was not interested in Jesus looking and hearing both sides and coming up with a good and best decision. He he knew this man just wanted to take his side and, and go tell his brother that he was wrong, and so This guy's not interested in justice. His heart was full of covetousness. And 
And so Jesus takes the opportunity with this interruption in the midst of his teaching, he, he uses it as an opportunity, as a lesson to teach his disciples about three dangers to covetous living. Now the word covet simply means wanting what someone else has. We, we just desire to have what belongs to someone else. And, and implied in the word as well is we wish they never had it in the first place. Well, take a look again with me at verse 13 and 14 again. Jesus says again, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? That is, Jesus is basically saying to this guy, Man, you're missing the point. I mean, you're not seeing or hearing what is going on here. I'm not here to settle your little family dispute. I am here to save your soul. And so this man is, is not understanding the mission of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus. He is not paying attention at all to the teaching that Jesus is pouring forth. I mean, right up to this point that he's interrupting, you remember Jesus is just pouring out some radical truths that directly apply to this guy's life. He's been talking about the dangers of religion and the dangers of hypocrisy. He's been talking about the need for the fear of God, for the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the need for us to be fully committed to the Lord. And he kind of ended that conversation with how much God values us and cares for us and all of that was just going in one ear and out the other with this guy he wasn't hearing anything it's like he was saying you know uh, that that's nice Jesus you know you you, you done <laughs> I need you to go tell my brother he's wrong and and he needs to give me my money and so listen, that's the first danger of covetous living. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We miss what is truly important. We miss what is truly important. We miss what God is saying and doing in our lives right in front of us. We don't hear what God is saying. We don't truly see what is going on around us. We're so consumed with ourselves. We're so consumed with wanting something that someone else has. And so listen, that is the danger of covetous living. We, we miss it. We, we, we miss what God is doing right in our midst. The second danger to covetous living, if you're taking notes, fill this in. We fail to experience true life and fulfillment. We fail to experience true life and fulfillment. That is, listen, when we're living for the stuff of this life, when, when we're living for the things of this life, then listen, the fulfillment that we're seeking in those things, we don't find it. We don't experience it. Listen, because Jesus says, they can't deliver it. They don't possess it. 
Take a look again at verse 15. Jesus says to us again, he says this, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Well, Jesus, in warning us to be on our guard, to take care, be on our guard against all covetousness, when he tells us that, he says the reason that he's giving this warning to guard ourselves, the reason is there is a delusion to it. That is, there is a delusion that goes with covetous living. And that delusion is, is that we can find some life and fulfillment in acquiring, in having, in achieving more. That is, listen, if you're going to have life, I mean, if you're going to really live this life to the fullest, well, that, that means having stuff, going, doing stuff, achieving stuff. It, it means doing all those types of things. And, you know, that's what the world says, right? I mean, that is what everybody is living for, right? And yet Jesus says here that is a delusion that our life does not consist in having more, in getting more, in doing more, in acquiring more. It's interesting that the word life that Jesus uses here, it's an interesting word in the Greek. It's the Greek word zoe. And the Greek word zoe means everything that matters in terms of of life everything that that life really can give us that matters and so listen if we want life jesus is saying everything that makes life worth living is not in the abundance of our possessions everything that makes life worth what it is is not in having stuff and acquiring stuff and so the question comes, well then, you know, <laughs> what, what does give us life? Where can we find that life and fulfillment? Well, Jesus tells us that as well in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so listen, life comes, true fulfillment comes when we get to know the one who is the life. Life begins when, in fact, we don't even start living until we know the life. Life begins when we start a relationship with the God who created us. 1 John 5.12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have the life. That is, listen, life is not in our possessions. It is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that he came to give life and life abundantly. If you want fulfillment, regardless of your circumstances, if you want life in your spirit right now, 
peace in your spirit right now, joy in your spirit right now, regardless of what is going on in the world, regardless of the difficulties and obstacles that you face, it is found in someone who is so much greater than all those things. And his name is Jesus. You were created to know God and to be known by him, to be loved by God and to love him back. Life is found in Jesus alone. Well, he continues in verse 16. It says, and he told them a parable, that is, to drive his point home about life not consisting in the abundance of possessions, Jesus gives them an illustration. He, he gives them a parable. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? Now, I want us to notice all the personal pronouns in this Story. I'll try to emphasize them a little bit. It goes again, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That is, Jesus says, there's this rich man. And he has a good opportunity. He has a good soil. He has a good spot. He has a good opportunity. He applies himself, and it ends up yielding well. He's successful, and so he's thinking about what to do with his prosperity, and and so listen, no problem up to this point. Nothing wrong with any of that whatsoever. The problem comes in that in his consideration, there is no thought of God whatsoever. He doesn't give God a second thought. It's, it's all about him. And remember, we, we saw that as we took note of all the personal pronouns, you know, I, me, my, it was... It was all about him. And so the covetous life is a very selfish life. That is, the only thing on this guy's radar is he's building bigger garages and he's thinking about what stuff he's going to put in there and he's thinking about greater investments and he's thinking about the pleasures that he's going to enjoy. And he's not thinking at all about the fact that he will give an account to God. He's just making plans by himself. He's not praying to God. He's talking to himself. He's consulting his own heart, just setting himself up. Now, ultimately, I want to say this money is not the problem. 
In fact, there are many wealthy people in the Bible. Money is not the problem. The problem is when money has you. Listen, riches aren't the problem. The problem is when we're looking to riches for life. When we're looking to riches to, to feel secure, to trust in them, that we're, we're living for them. That is what we are pursuing. That's what we really think is going to make us happy. That's what we really think is going to give us security and significance and, and meaning. That's when it becomes a problem. Well, the second problem that this rich man had in not considering God is he didn't consider where his blessings came from in the first place. Listen, the opportunity that he had was a gift from God. The talents that he had was a gift from God. The abilities that he had were a gift from God. The breath that he had to breathe was a gift from God. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father. That is, listen, your abilities, your talents, your opportunities, your next heartbeat, heartbeat, your next breath is a gift from God. Now, here is a huge mental shift that we must understand. We own nothing. We are stewards. We own nothing. We are stewards. But listen, the world doesn't think like that. And so we tend to not think like that. We need to get that into our heart and into our minds. It is his house. It is his car. It is his stuff. It is his spouse, whether it's your wife or husband. It is his kids. It is his body. It is his talents, his abilities. They, I own nothing. I am just to be a good steward. I am just to manage well what God has allowed me to have for a short period of time for his glory and his kingdom. That is a huge shift in a mindset that is totally different from the world. We own nothing. We are stewards. We are stewards of the king. We just manage what is his, and he wants us to use it for his glory. He wants us to use it well. Well, let's take a look at verse 20 again. But God said to him, fool, this night. That is, listen, he assumed he had more time. He, he assumed he was set. You know, wh whether he was retirement age or whatever, he, was, he had all his plans set. He was going to enjoy everything that he had built up. But listen, he didn't have more time. In fact, the world would have looked at him and said, man, that guy's set. He's good for the rest of his life. Man, I'd, I'd love to be him. And yet Jesus says, fool. Fool. This night your soul is required of you. 
That is, we are obligated to God. That is a really uncomfortable truth. That is a very unpopular truth. Most people don't like it. Most people push back against it. It is true nonetheless. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The third danger to covetous living is, if you're writing notes, you can write this down. We lose our soul. We lose our soul. Now, sadly, this happens every single day because people are pursuing the things of this life. I mean, it looks so attractive. It looks like it will deliver, but it doesn't. It's a lie directly from the pit. But listen, it is a lie that is told a thousand times every single second in every form imaginable every single day. It is at us, in our face, and the problem is we believe it. And so over and over, people live their lives looking to have things, acquire things, get more things. And in the end, they leave it all behind. All of it. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. They leave it all behind. And they lose their soul. Verse 21 Jesus concludes, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That is one of the ways that we can be rich toward God according to 1 Timothy chapter 6 is by sacrificial giving. That is, listen, God has blessed every single one of us. We have been blessed by God, and we have the opportunity right now to be rich toward God. We have an incredible opportunity that God has given to us to invest in his kingdom in this place at this time. And listen, I've told you many times, I already know that God has given us the funds God has already granted it to us. <laughs> we just need to release it back to him as his stewards. And so listen, some of us, we've laid up treasures. We have investments. We have much more than we need. And we are able to give in greater sums. Regardless, God has blessed us. All of us. And all of us are able to give sacrificially. And listen, it is giving sacrificially. God expects us to give and, and have it hurt uh, somewhat. We are giving up something for his kingdom. That's what honors him. You know, David... King David said, you know, I'm not going to give anything to God that doesn't cost me because 
there was a guy who said, hey, David, you can just have my field and you can give that as an offering to God. And David wouldn't have it. He said, no, I'll buy it from you. I'm not going to give something to God that doesn't cost me. That's just meaningless. That's your gift, not mine. And so listen, I would ask you to please pray and give because we're ready to build. We're ready to build God's house. You know, everybody's been waiting. We're, we're ready. Now is the time. We are ready to go. And I just want to share something with you real quick. Just give me a minute to grab it. Now, mainly I wanted to put this up here just to let you know that, you know, we have been doing something. Uh, perhaps you wonder, what's going on over there at Shopco and that sort of thing? Well, the first thing that we had to do was fix the roof. And, of course, you know, you don't want to do anything inside and then have it leak and that sort of thing. So, you know, we, we've done the roof, which I told you was around $150,000. So... You know, you think about what we need to do on the inside. It requires a lot. Now, ultimately, way back a year ago, before COVID <laughs> and all that craziness happened, um, we were making plans and we had blueprints that I was going to present to the congregation, but then COVID happened. And those blueprints were the, the final, you know, state of what we would do with the Shopco property and everything. And it came up to $4 million for the building to be the way we wanted it, redone on the outside, inside, everything, you know, perfect. Well, with COVID happening, we were, you know, wrestling with, you know, uh, we need to, you know, find a place to gather and see, we're still in that tension and so the first stage of COVID, when we were wrestling with this, like, is there any way we can get in there and, and just kind of gather simply just to be in the room? And, and uh, you know, we, we couldn't do that. The county wouldn't allow us to do that. Too many building codes, all that sort of thing. Then as COVID shifted, you know, they, they kind of said, well, you know, churches can come back together, but there's no kids programs and that sort of thing. So we began to look at, okay, well, is there any way that we can develop just a little piece of it so we can gather even with our kids in that space? And, you know, the county wouldn't approve that either. And, and so as COVID has loosened up, then obviously we've realized, you know, by the time we get in there, we need to have spaces that allow us to do ministry and all the different ways that we need to do ministry. And so this is what we've been working on. We're trying to walk this tightrope of, okay, you know, if we had all the money we wanted, this is the way we'd develop the building, etc. But what we're trying to do now is how can we get in there as quickly as possible, but also in a way that um, is right in a way that we can do the type of ministry that we want to do. And even though it may not have all the bells and whistles or be exactly the way we would do it if we had all the money, this is, this is what we need to get in there and to do ministry right. And so there's, you know, just kind of a jockeying that goes on with that. And so that's what we've been working on is how to, 
have the right spaces and how to use as much as possible the walls that are in there, anything that's in there that we can, you know, not have to tear down. And, and so, you know, that's kind of changed how we're trying to develop this space. You know, if we, again, if we had all the money we wanted, we perhaps might do it differently. But so how do we do it and, and it still be right and still be good? And, you know, we don't have to go back and redo it if God blesses in the future, which I'm sure he will. And we don't have to, you know, you know, have a bunch of mixed costs and that sort of thing. So that is what we have been working on, and we're ready to go. We're, we're ready to move on this stuff. And so I would just encourage you to please give. We can move as fast as we are able in terms of you seeing and wanting to buy in to what God is doing here in this community. And listen, we're excited. We're excited because we know our best days are ahead, and we're excited what God wants to do in and through that space that he so sovereignly and, and wisely and in his kindness provided for us. Well, let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.